You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome to the Hokie Hangover Podcast. Andrew Alex here from ESPN Blacksburg. That's 93.1 and 97.1 in the New River Valley. Joined with me today are, as always, the usual suspects. We got Mike McDaniel from Sports Illustrated. Mike, how you doing? What's going on? Not much, man. Not much. Just seeking a friend for the end of the world. And I guess I have a good option for a friend here. Ricky LeBlue, how are things treating you down in the 757? Uh, we're fine. Um, thankfully I haven't met or known anyone that's impacted, or at least that I know has been impacted by this personally yet. So, um, so hoping everybody stays safe out there and thankful that we can talk about the lesser or the lighter side of things, um, which is, which is hard to do right now, but fortunately we can do it a little bit. Yeah, in a world that certainly needs distractions right now, we will try to be a noble one. But unfortunately for Virginia Tech Athletics, the news that has come in in this past week actually hasn't been good either on the sports side. Uh, Virginia Tech's leading scorer this past season, redshirt freshman Landers Nally, has announced that he is entering the transfer portal, though he did enter the transfer portal last year and ultimately choose to come back. No one is expecting that to happen a second time. Nally, who really came on the scene and became a fan favorite early in the season. We've seen it on Twitter, all the Nolly Trolley shit and whatever. He was putting up big numbers. I believe a 30-point game in his debut against Clemson. He was instrumental in beating Michigan State. Stayed hot early on in the ACC play. And then ultimately tickered off to a point where he actually was one of the least effective players on the court in terms of shooting percentage, in terms of offensive plus minus, so on and so forth. Mike, you can go first on this one. What do you make of this Nolly transfer news, and what kind of impact will it bode on the Hokies going forward? It's a bit of a surprise that he's transferring. Um, I was expecting him to either return to school um, or just to move on to the draft, which would have been an ill-advised decision in and of itself. Um, but the fact that he's decided to uh, transfer away from Virginia Tech and move to another school uh, is obviously not the news a lot of people were expecting. The thing to watch here is that the NCAA has a new waiver policy that they're trying to push through um, that would potentially make Nolly immediately eligible next season. I know that coming off of his first year in Blacksburg where he had to take the red shirt because there was the uh, issue from an academic standpoint where they were trying to get him eligible and it never ended up happening. And there was a whole back and forth between Virginia Tech and the NCAA that everybody's aware of now. Um, you know, they weren't able to ever get him eligible. Nolly has a compelling case to potentially be immediately eligible at his new school. 
But my guess is that if he moves on to a new school and they don't grant him an eligibility waiver, I think that Landers Nolly might be a candidate to potentially go play overseas. And I just don't foresee Nolly, especially with what his dad was saying about him being a pro after the year, which, you know, that was a bold statement to make in whatever it was, October or November. Um, for him to come out and say that immediately after Nolly's early season success. Uh, that was bold in and of itself. I just don't see Nolly being the type of guy to want to sit out another year. That would be two out of the last three years um, if he ended up sitting out that he wouldn't play. Um, and, and I don't think that's best for his development either. And I think Nolly has some holes in his game, but he's obviously, you know, from a raw skills standpoint, quite talented, right? Um, he's a guy who absolutely has a very, very high ceiling and a guy that could certainly make a good pro if he's able to remedy some of the issues in his game, playing hard defensively all the time, being more efficient with his shot selection, um, not committing really, really boneheaded turnovers, throwing the passes into traffic that he was throwing there, especially throughout ACC play. So th- there are some things that Nolly can absolutely improve upon. I think he would have been good in year two under Mike Young. I think it is a little bit of a cop-out. There was that report from Jeff Goodman from Stadium to break the news. I thought it was a little bit of a cop-out to say that he was looking to play more on the wing in his next destination. He was playing on the wing quite a bit this year for Virginia Tech. It's not like he was down there on the on the block uh, in every single game they played. It was more out of necessity when he was playing down low just because Virginia Tech was at a size disadvantage, but that's something the Hokies are obviously trying to improve upon moving forward, but yeah, I think it's a big loss for Virginia Tech. I really do. And a lot of people aren't saying that because he didn't shoot the ball great this year and he was 34% shooter in ACC play, but he had the highest ceiling of anybody on the roster. And if you look at a guy like Nikhil Alexander-Walker from year one to year two and how instrumental he was last year for Virginia Tech in their Sweet 16 run, you can see why the importance of patience from year one to year two is so important because Nikhil wasn't a great player his freshman year either at Virginia Tech. So I do think it's a significant loss. I think it's a loss, though, that Virginia Tech um, can certainly rebound from. They have some great players coming in, Joe Bamisil and Darius Maddox, among others. So they do have some talented players coming into the fold next year, but it is a guy that they're going to have to replace. He was their leading scorer after all and a very good rebounder. Ricky, what do you make of the news? There's two different things that you kind of have to analyze in in terms of the Landers knowledge situation. Number one, his decision to leave, and number two, how it affects Virginia Tech moving forward. So let's start with his decision to leave. Um, it seemed like when Landers started to struggle, there was this vibe that I think a lot of people got that not many people talked about that Landers didn't want to be in Blacksburg anymore. There was some sort of fit issue, I don't know what it is, between Mike Young and Landers Nolly. And maybe part of it was because Landers felt like he didn't need to be spending any time on the low post and maybe he needed to be a full-time wing. I don't know. Maybe Mike Young was being hard on him about the bonehead turnovers and, and, and the lackadaisical defense. I'm not sure. But it it's it, you got the the vibe that Landers just needed wanted to spend the rest of the season in Blacksburg and then get the hell out, and that was going to be either through the draft, which his dad made clear in October, um, and then up now obviously that he's just going to up and leave because the pros aren't an option right now. Um, that's unfortunate because I really do think Landers would have benefited from a second year under Mike Young. We've talked about that before on the pod how. Um, he he's such a raw specimen that he needs to 
learn how to harness his tools more efficiently. And that's something that Nikhil Alexander-Walker really did in year one and year two. Now, the big difference, in my opinion, between Nikhil and Nolly is that Nikhil never really regressed. Nikhil just kind of stayed even, and, and, and his his flaws were apparent from the get-go. Um, but you still saw that kind of steady level of production. Uh, he, you could just tell he was right on the edge of doing something special. Nolly came out of the gate, and he was one of the best freshmen in the country. I mean, th- this was a guy that was garnering national attention for the way he was playing. And then all of a sudden, boom, falls off a cliff. Production just nosedives. Defense gets worse. Shot selection's awful. Turning the ball over. Um, it- it- it's really kind of hard to understand exactly what triggered that. So um, clearly something wasn't right with with Landers in the second half of the season. Um, if he had just been struggling, I don't think he would have left the program. Something, it probably happened, not saying it's major, but something probably happened behind the scenes where he and his camp felt like he needed to leave. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, think about this, Ricky, though. And first, uh, I was told by a source close to the program and this was way earlier in the season, and they said Landers Nolly is at the point where you wake up every day and you check to ro- check the roster to make sure he's still on the team. I'm not I'm honestly not surprised by that. I mean, season, this is before the struggle started. I think that I don't know whether it was a personality issue, but I think that Landers Nolly is and certainly views himself as a prolific scorer, a one-man show to an extent, which works for quite some time, right? I mean, when he shot 52% against Clemson, 41% against Michigan State, 38% against Dayton, 50% against BYU, 42% against Duke the first time, the show goes on and on and on in those early season games, and even early in ACC play. And I guess when you look at Mike Young's system, Yes, he might not have been playing to the system when you're taking 22 shots in a game, 21 shots in a game, but at least he was, you know, making the shots at an efficient rate. At the end of the season, it became more apparent that he wasn't playing to that level that he previously was, and, you know, maybe it just wasn't a great system fit for Landers Nolly, so... Wow. Yeah. In mid January, it may have seemed like the pros was an option. It, it seems now that maybe, maybe, you know, something on the wing or, or something, just a different fit might be something that would be better for his development because Mike Young's system is such a, you know, you had to buy into that system in order for everything to succeed. And that just wasn't happening with Landers Nolly. Well, he, Mike Young runs a, a, mo, a motion-heavy offense, and they're they're very set-oriented. So they they rely on the system, they rely on the plays to help generate open shots. It's not a system where you have two or three guys who are really taking isolation matchups and, and creating shots off of those matchups. And I think that that's probably what Nolly wants to find himself in. Um, and then. Going on to the second point, which is how Virginia Tech moves on. Look, let's be honest. Virginia Tech, 
did not benefit from Landers Nolly's presence on the roster in the second half of the season. Landers Nolly was a net negative. I understand that he gave them some some height in the front court, but he was almost non-existent offensively. And actually, he might have been a negative offensively because he was just eating, eating shots, and they were bad shots. And defensively, he wasn't taking advantage of his size and athleticism. So Nolly may have been a net negative towards the end of the season. So you take him out of the equation. I don't think it hurts Virginia Tech necessarily in the short term, but it will definitely impact the ceiling of the program in the long term in terms of two or three years from now because he is the guy who had the high ceiling on the team. Um, I'm not sure how he compares to Bama Seal and Maddox in terms of their potential, but you, you, you saw Landers Nolly play, and you knew that if you put things together, he could be a guy that could impact the professional level uh, and, and do so at a high clip. Um, so Virginia Tech does, the, the, the ceiling comes down a bit, that he's, that he's no longer in the program. But in terms of the, sh- the short term where how Virginia Tech looks to start off next season, I'm honestly not even worried about it because Nolly didn't do much to make this team better really once that Boston College game came around. Yeah, the one last thing I'll add is I think the I think the ceiling of Virginia Tech, if Nolly is at his best, um, is higher with him on the roster than without yeah. him. But yeah. But I think we're in agreement that his production is certainly replaceable. And I think that Virginia Tech will be able to replace his production. I think they'll be fine without him, if that makes sense. So I think it's added bonus if he's at his best. But given the fact that he wasn't at his best for a good portion of this year and wasn't a guy who you could rely upon consistently to create his own shot, make his own shot, be efficient, take the best, you know, make the best play for the offense. I think when you take once you take that all into consideration, you know, his production, his level of production is replaceable, but I still think it could potentially be a pretty big loss, especially if the Hokies end up being a tournament team next year and, and a team that is looking for maybe another, you know, secondary type score to emerge. That That's a spot that Landers Nolly could have certainly filled, even if he wasn't playing at his best. So, guys, with Nolly gone, that's one scholarship spot that opens on the Hokies roster going into 2020-2021 season. Whether it be a recruit or a graduate transfer, what kind of player? And I mean, if you have a preference for recruit or graduate transfer, let it be known. But more so, maybe what kind of position or what kind of fit would you like the Hokies to add to you know fill a short-term need there? A bigger a shooter. Um, and I know that seems broad, right? But the two areas where Virginia Tech you know, need to improve the most is with their shooting, right? Because they didn't have, especially when Nolly was cold throughout ACC play, they didn't really have a reliable go-to scorer. And Tyrese Radford was excellent. He was very good all year long. Got better as the year went went along and um, became more and more consistent with his play on both ends of the floor, offensively and defensively, on the glass, of course. He's an absolute maniac. But he is not a guy who's going to fill it up and get you, you know, 25 and 12 on a consistent basis, right? Um, Nolly had that kind of upside. So with him in the fold or out of the fold, right, if Nolly ends up leaving like everybody's expecting him to, what Virginia Tech needs regardless is they need a big number one because they don't really have that on the roster right now. And I know they got the Wofford kid coming in um, that Mike Young 
had at Wofford. He's he's like a six foot eight kid, and that's going to be great. But they need like a real big. I mean, Virginia Tech's one of the smallest teams in the country. They're one of the youngest teams in the country. So you got to do one of two things well. You got to shoot it at an excellent clip to make up for your lack of front court size, or you need to get bigger in the front court and have more guys on the glass being able to rebound. And Virginia Tech, I mean, their best rebounder is Tyrese Radford, right? And Tyrese Radford's six foot one. So that's not going to play all season long as good as he is, as good as he's been. Um, he's not a guy, especially once you get into ACC play with more size and better athletes, it's tough for him to kind of navigate that all on his own on a night-to-night basis. And I think we saw that throughout conference play this year. But Virginia Tech needs more size in the front court, more depth in the front court. If they can fill, fill it with one guy, you know, a guy who can, um, you know, a big who can stretch it, stretch the floor a little bit, shoot the ball a little bit, uh, but also another guy to help rebound, I think that's paramount for Virginia Tech moving forward. Um, and, and I think that's probably a higher priority even than just a pure wing, another guy who can shoot. Because I think Bambasil and Max have a chance to be very good. Rick, what are your thoughts? Well, ideally, I think they would go after a, a high school player. Um, you're you're not building for next year right now. You're building for three years from now. And bringing in a Juco guy, while it will definitely lift the floor for this team and this program in the short term, I, I think it, it, it leaves you open um, with a, a void in a couple years when Bama Seal and Maddox really start to to come into their own. Um, so I, I would like them to get a high school player. And I, I agree with Mike in the sense that you either need to find a guy who can who can fill it up and, and help stretch the floor, or you want to find somebody in the front court. Now, I do disagree a bit about getting that like traditional big because I, I don't think that that's the answer necessarily. If you can find somebody who is in the 6'8", 6'9", range that can run the floor a bit, and, and and help rebound on the glass and, and maybe help keep people away from the rim. I actually like that more than having the traditional big where they just sit under the basket and rebound a ton and, and, and score on the post. I would much rather have somebody who can run the floor a bit, even if you have to sacrifice a couple inches, that can give you some athleticism down there because Virginia Tech's never going to be a team that thrives on front court depth right they're not kansas they're not duke um they're not these these blue blood programs that can recruit these ultra talented big men and let's be honest there aren't that many ultra talented big men out there it's a lot easier to find an impactful forward or an impactful guard than it is to find an impactful center Uh, i think tech would benefit from somebody kind of in the same frame as kv aluma who is at six nine kind of tall and lanky a bit athletic um, I, I think that that just fits the system a bit better. And I think it falls more into the identity uh, that Mike Young and Virginia Tech want to be moving forward. And it actually is somewhat similar to the identity that Buzz Williams was creating in Blacksburg, except adding another guy who with a bit more height who can run the floor would be more ideal than what Buzz Williams would do, which is just add another guard and make him play the three or the four. Interesting, interesting, and definitely two very good perspectives that you guys have there. It'll be interesting to see where the Hokies go with it. Now, moving over to the woman's side, though, Dara Mabry, transferring out of the program. Mabry, who was the New Jersey State Player of the Year in high school, played 
very effectively for the Hokies, both as a freshman and a sophomore. She is headed out the door. Some speculate that she might be headed to Notre Dame, a program where I believe both of her sisters may have played. Uh, and obviously a program in the plethora of women's college basketball that has been known for sustained success. Regardless, what kind of impact does this have on the women's program? And what kind of impact does the fact that they weren't able to play in the tournament, a tournament they would have made probably as a, at least a top eight seed, what does that have on Kenny Brooks and the girls? Yeah, so Dara Mabry leaving is a bummer. Notre Dame would not surprise me at all. Her oldest sister, Michaela, was a star at Notre Dame. She's now an assistant coach on Muffet McGraw's coaching staff. Uh, Marina Mabry was on Notre Dame's national championship team a couple of years ago, and now she's playing for the Sparks of the WNBA. Um, but she had quite the career at Notre Dame as well. It would not surprise me if Dara went to South Bend. That would not surprise me in the least. Now, how does it affect Virginia Tech? Well, Dara moves from point guard to shooting guard. She moved off the ball this year, but she was very good, right? And and she was an elite, elite shooter for the Hokies. And that's where Virginia Tech is going to miss the production out of her. Um, obviously, she was one of the best freshmen in the country last year. She was having another good year this year. Her shooting numbers weren't quite as good as they were a year ago, but it's a, a percentage or two point, you know, dip. It was... She slight. had the volume this year that she didn't have her freshman year. Right. She was shooting the ball a little bit more and she wasn't making quite as many, but she was right along the same numbers. Um, but she was, I mean, another really good year for her. It's one of those deals where with her moving on, it's really tough because with her moving into her junior year next year and, and Virginia Tech having the most success they've had on, on the basketball floor on the women's side for upwards of 15 years. This is pretty significant, and it's a bummer that Kenny Brooks and that squad couldn't reach the tournament this year, um, but she was going to be a very instrumental piece of next year's team, right? An all-ACC type player uh, for the Hokies, and not having her in the fold anymore, it hurts, it stings, it puts the the women's team in a very tough spot um, as far as backcourt depth heading into next year and, and a reliable, proven starter in ACC, in ACC play. And she's been a very good player for the Hokies across her two years in Blacksburg. So wish her all the best. It's a bummer that um, she won't be part of the fold moving forward. But for the for the women's team to n to not have her on the roster um, is significant, and it's it's a it's a spot that they're going to have to obviously uh, rebound from and and find a way to replace that production and that talent. Rick, what do you think? This sucks, man. Like th th this one. This one really annoys you, right? Because Tech women's basketball is really on the verge of becoming one of the top four teams in the ACC. Uh, and that's that's not an exaggeration. I mean, Kenny Brooks has really upgraded the talent level. They were going to make the NCAA tournament this year. And as far as I'm concerned, this is an NCAA tournament appearance for Virginia Tech. I'm going to count that on Kenny Brooks's resume. Uh, Dara has two more years of eligibility and with Elizabeth Kitley having the year she had as a freshman, this team was poised to be one of the top four or five ACC teams. And that's pretty damn hard because the ACC women's basketball landscape has usually been pretty top heavy. Um, and that kind of transitions into my next point about Notre Dame. Look, Notre Dame stunk this year. Notre Dame was like 13 and 18 or something along those lines. And I understand that Muffet McGraw and that program that she's built 
is far greater and far more successful and has way more accolades than the Virginia Tech women's basketball program. I cede that 100%. And I cede the connections to the program with her family. I get it. But Dara had to have known that they were on the verge of something special here. And I don't understand why she would blow up her career in the middle of it to leave. Because, I I mean, as far as I know, she's not going to have a a reason to become uh, uh, eligible immediately. So, I mean, she's going to have to sit a year. To me, I I just, I don't quite understand that. I understand that Notre Dame has the prestige that Virginia Tech doesn't. But when you find yourself in a good position and things are trending in the the up direction, it's not like this team was going to be bad next year. Uh, to me, it's just puzzling, and I, I don't understand it. So, you know, Dara, I hope hope everything goes well for you wherever you go. Um, but it's if you're a Tech fan, this one really, really frustrates you because you feel like you finally got something going on in this program. And look, the the Tech women's basketball fan base is super, super diehard. I mean, these people have been supporting the program since the 90s and the 80s, back when the program was really, really good and they were one of the best teams on the East Coast. Um, And they went through all of the bad years after that. Um, And for them to see something come together and not get to see it through to the end, that's, that's, it's, it's, it's really frustrating. And uh, yeah, that's all I got for it, man. It just sucks. Like you, you, you have something that you see building up, right. And you, you see all the small pieces coming together and then the movie ends. So it, it, it's like watching a really good, interesting movie, and then there's no ending. It sucks. Yeah. It, no, it's 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 absolutely a shame. It, it, it's actually quite similar to when Gerard Evans left in 2016. Like you knew that Gerard Evans was going to come back the the following season and be really really good, like maybe the best quarterback in the conference, and. Boom, movie's over, Gerard leaves. Like it just so from all from all indications, the one person who didn't know Gerard Evans was coming back was Gerard Evans, who decided not to do school very much during Yes, yes, yes. But I mean, it's just like, you know, I, I don't know. Like I, I'm sure that there's other stuff going on. And if my if it, my family were involved, maybe I would feel differently. But um man, I, I just I don't get it. I, I don't I don't understand it. It's such a stark difference, right? Because you see on Twitter the seniors just posting posts about Coach Brooks and how the season came to an end and, and calling Coach Brooks like the father they never had in some cases. And by all indications, it looks like this woman's basketball program is, is just a tight-knit family. And to see one of their best players, if not their best player, exit early is is disappointing to say the least but you know i guess that's the nature of of college sports these days you kind of gotta deal with the transfer portal and deal with the cards that you're dealt and and play them and we're getting really close to having this like like legitimate free agency in in college athletics and we can probably talk about this at some point in the summer but i i just i don't like it man i mean this isn't professional sports, right? This is college sports. The two are supposed to be different. 
And when you have players transferring at a rate that we've never seen before, it's hard for fans to develop an emotional connection to players when they're always wondering if they're going to be the next one in the portal. Um, And as a coach, it's almost impossible to build a damn roster because you can't project more than two years into the future. So yeah, definitely a ton of moving parts and who knows, maybe more to come. We'll definitely stay on top of it. We'll be back with you guys in a few days. Obviously the whole social distancing makes it much easier for us to find time to sit in front of our computers and record a podcast. And hopefully while you guys are cooped up at home, we're giving you something to, you know, listen to, spend your time, hopefully give you a little information and, and hear our opinions. Maybe you agree, maybe you disagree. I don't know. Let us know. Uh, but yeah, tell your friends about the podcast. Make sure to like, share, subscribe, everything like that. I am Andrew Alex from Michael McDaniel and Ricky Blue. We thank you for joining us. We'll be back soon. Go Hokies. Mm-hmm.